Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guests this week are two young... Alright, see that's why we fucking tape this shit. You think that you think that shit comes out clean every fucking time? Nah, bro. You know what I'm saying? There it is. Just like that. We do this shit again. Alright, let's start over. Well <laughs> Okay. We're gonna start you guys are funny. Twelve okay, sorry, twelve eleven. By the time I get through this fucking intro, it'll be tomorrow. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guests this week are two young up-and-coming professional sports bettors who I had the pleasure of meeting last year. These guys are hungry and asked all the right questions and are definitely making their mark on the industry. I got nothing but respect for them. Please welcome... Johnny and Julian. Fellas, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us, Banky. Thank you. So you guys, you know, I've done, this is my second podcast where I got two guests on. I had my man Haru and Drew on before. It's such a pleasure to bring this young, up-and-coming breath of fresh air into the business. All I've been doing, you know, are the old-timers, so I like to be able to bring a a new, uh, 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 young fresh perspective um tell me guys how you know how did it all start when did you guys make the plunge um you know to become sports betters not professional but when did you start gambling in your life because you guys are relatively young all right so i'll take that one to start first off thank you very much for having us and um you know, love what you're doing with the podcast so far. It's been a great listen every week, and I know a lot of people are, uh, you know, really enjoying it. Thank you so much for the compliment. So I'll get into my start. Um, I started betting years ago. Um, I had just one account, and essentially what I would do is go through all the offerings and try to find an edge in what I could. Obviously, at the time, I wasn't very successful. Didn't really know exactly what I was doing, um, but. With, with time, I started to see like, oh, let me, let me go look on Twitter and this guy's got an edge here and this guy's got an edge here. Kind of all the wrong things that you shouldn't really be doing. Um, as, as I started to become more serious about sports betting, the thing that really changed everything for me was having multiple outs. So I started opening up book A, book B, book C, book D. And uh, eventually kind of learned that there are discrepancies and there's different things in there. So I started off in sports betting as kind of a top-down player in a lot of what you do right now. Um, just kind of looking through the book and finding what I could. But obviously it didn't scale as quickly and as much as I had wanted it to. So uh, I would put more hours in and, and I wasn't really the best sports better just from the, the pure top-down approach. Uh, and then I started to do a lot of originating myself as well and say, what can I, what can I learn here? What can I take from this? And then applying the same concepts of, you know, the line shopping and the top down approach and pairing that with the originating. Uh, ultimately this is kind of when I started winning at sports betting and, and it took place a, a few years ago. Uh, as I started to continue to go down this path, 
uh, I realized having a partner, someone, for example, like Julian with a, a coding background, different experience set would help a lot. And uh, when we really joined forces was when the magic started happening and when we started to really, you know, uh, make this a full-time thing and a real thing. And we've been full-time now for uh, just over a year. Prior to that was with, you know, a job on the side. Beautiful. How about you, Julian? How'd you get started? So I was, uh, I was recreationally betting uh, at a pretty young age. So a little bit different than Johnny, I was mostly overconfident in myself. And I thought, you know, I had uh, an edge over the market, let's say. I thought, you know, I, I watch all these sports. Uh, I know something, you know, I, I watch sports 40 hours a week. I, I must know that, you know, such and such teams are a good value on a given day. Um, I wasn't betting very big. I was definitely losing money, but uh, it's a lot of fun to have a financial interest in the games you're watching. Um, as a fan, you can you know, take you know, pride in that. Oh, I, you know, I predicted that and I backed it with my own money. So, so it was, it, that was kind of what I was doing. And then at some point in university, I kind of decided, okay, I'm going to try to take this a little bit more serious and be a lot more careful with what I was playing. Uh, I decided that the the full game markets were kind of a little bit tough. So I tried to look into player props, mostly because I I played a lot of fantasy sports uh, leagues with some friends. So, and I decided to kind of not trust my own opinion, you know, not consider the fact that, uh, you know, I I like such and such player and instead try to say, if I were to book these lines, like if I were to set up my own lines, kind of what would I make all of them? So that's definitely more of a bottom up approach. And so I went to school for software engineering. So I approached this from a computer programming point of view, and I built a model that would essentially make my own lines and then use this to compare it to the sports books and see you know, where I find value and, and, and make those plays myself. So I started to build up some confidence. Uh, I was starting to win at this point. I was still betting fairly small. I was opening up a few more accounts. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't long after that I started getting limited from books. So this definitely came as a surprise to me the first time I got limited. You know, it's it's that unfair feeling of you didn't think that you could get limited for just betting. Um, I was obviously naive, but uh, it was it was around that time that I started talking to Johnny about what I was doing. I was kind of telling him some of the uh, some of the troubles I was having, and then we started working together uh, shortly after that. Beautiful. So you guys both started independently betting. When did you guys know each other from grade school or high school, or you guys just met while you were betting? So we actually knew each other from uh, from grade school, which is uh, it's a cool story. I was working with uh, a different partner at first, and uh, things were going really well. But he kind of lost interest in the business, and he trades stocks now. So it was a good uh, chance where. I was looking for a new partner. Julian had a lot of good things to bring to the table in terms of the technology piece behind everything. Uh, and I mean, I don't think either of us thought that it would work out this well or as well as it has so far. I'm a big fan of partnerships and I love seeing, you know, just, uh, you know, just to give a brief story on how we met, I met you guys last year at the Sloan sports conference I mean, I could tell you guys were like brothers. You guys were always together and, you know, you were asking the right questions and doing your thing. And I think a, a strong partnership is is so, so huge. So all the credit to you guys for building that. 
um, what you know, in in a partnership in any type of business, uh, how do you delegate tasks? How is it somebody you know? How are you guys keeping each other responsible? Because this is essentially a small business where it's just you and Julian, uh, Johnny. So you know, you any either of you could take the question, but how does one uh, keep the other guy in check? It's a good question, Spanky, and it is definitely running a small business when you're trying to bet professionally. You can consider it essentially running a business. I'd say, you know, a lot at the start, we're working longer, long hours and together and kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. But uh, after a certain point, you start to trust your partner a little bit more and you understand kind of where their mentality is and if they they can do certain things on their own. Um, And at that point, you're okay with understanding kind of the decisions they make and you're able to kind of work longer or, or different hours at that point. But just just uh, working together, you're able to actually trust trust each other. Beautiful. You want to add to that, Johnny? Um, yeah, I can say if you're working in a partnership, you have to both be around each other enough uh, to develop a similar way of thinking in terms of how you want to attack the markets. So if if I like one angle that I want to play and Julian likes another angle, then ultimately we're, we're likely going to be upset. Uh, if he's playing something when I'm not there and I'm playing something when he's not there, what we, what you really need to do in a partnership is essentially have debates with each other on what are we doing to attack this market? Why is my side, right? Why is your side, right? When you leave the desk and the other person is trading, you have to have a hundred percent confidence that every single bet they place is done to it like is a plus expected value bet and you have to agree with that as well Beautiful. Just to, yeah go ahead julian sorry just to touch on one more thing about kind of delegating the task so me and johnny kind of have a different skill set which is why i think we work very well together as a partner as a as a partnership so delegating tasks was sort of natural and that i would kind of handle a lot of the the model making and kind of coming up with um how to actually model out certain smaller markets or, or things like that. And then the actual, you know, hypothesis of, you know, kind of what might be an edge or what's worth looking into, we can kind of both do that together. Um, and then a lot of the account management stuff and uh, the, the top-down approach, the respecting the market is kind of the value that Johnny brought in. And it's, it's really changed the mindset. And like, as you mentioned, we might not have agreed upon everything at the start, but you know, we definitely get a, we definitely have the same point of view now and the same mindset now. And that helps a lot with, uh, with the partnership. I love it. I love hearing that you guys are able to come together, develop a strategy that you both can agree on. And you have a, a, a corporate strategy in essence, even though it's such a, it's a small company, you guys both develop a team strategy that you both attack. So some people's ideas get accepted, some get rejected, but you both come together to develop one uniform strategy to attack, which is beautiful. Um, I want to get into, a, you know, because this to me, it's fascinating. When I first met you guys, you guys, I think, were just, you just quit your job uh, a month prior. Because I met you guys last March. Um, so, you know, let's get into the, hey, listen, 
you got you you know when you guys had that conversation because I think a lot of people are listening right now. They're thinking, hey, I might be able to do this full time. I might be able to take that plunge. What was it like to be able to leave a full time, well paying job and bet sports for a living? Tell me what was going on in your mind, how you guys talked to each other, what did you guys, you know, did you have to, did one guy, was one guy, uh, did one guy need more convincing than another guy, what, you know, tell me how it all went down. Okay, great question. Um, this is going to be, you know, cool to talk about because I haven't really done so, I mean, bef- right before quitting my job and then you know, COVID hit. So I haven't had a chance to talk to a ton of people or, you know, friends and family about it. But I would say what happened was I really, really had a passion for sports betting. And when I was working a full-time job, I would work, you know, X amount of hours at that job, but I'd work, you know, X plus one amount of hours at sports betting. And no matter where I was, I always had this like crazy passion where that's all I would want to do. So you know, people say like, yeah, find a job you love. You'll never work a day in your life. And it's a great saying, but in reality, it does actually, you know, it, it, once you can find something that doesn't feel like a job, it's an amazing feeling. So when I went into work for a full-time job, I would constantly be, you know, questioning different things like, oh, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this project? Why do I got to deal with this manager, this boss, this guy? And within sports betting, there's just as many challenges, if not more. And running your own business is crazy. But those challenges now are stuff that I'm interested in, stuff that I want to solve and things that are happy, uh, that make me happy. So when I quit my job, backstory is I didn't want to work for a company. It wasn't necessarily that um, I didn't like my job or it wasn't high paying enough or it wasn't this. I wanted to do sports betting. Uh, So I approached Julian first. And I said, listen, buddy, like, I want to quit my job. We should definitely both quit if you're interested in it as well. And I came to him with kind of a roadmap of this is how much we're making right now. And this is how much we can make if we both quit our jobs and we put the time towards sports betting. And like the numbers that I quoted were, were, were too low in essence. Um, but ultimately like it's been amazing i would say for anybody who is considering quitting their job if they you know have you know a lot of bills or a family and things like that you know factor all that in because i wouldn't want anyone to make a decision that's beyond their means but if you truly love sports betting and you're passionate about it then try to make it run it full time the worst thing that's going to happen is is that you're going to fail and you're going to go right back to that corporate job love it how about you julian how, you know, so Johnny comes to you with the idea. Did he need to twist your arm a little bit or what? Yeah. So I was uh, just like Johnny, I was betting sports kind of while I was working. So, I mean, you're betting kind of in the evening hours, but a lot of things are time sensitive. So you're kind of, you know, while you're at the job, you're kind of sneaking off to go do some certain things, which, uh, which I'm sure you understand. But uh, at, at that time, we weren't we weren't making as much. So when Johnny kind of told me, OK, you know, we could do this. And, and if we just put this amount of hours kind of linearly scale up what we we're making, um, 
you know, my concern was about kind of our, our you know, how long is this going to last? What's our bankroll going to be like? I had a lot of questions that probably the typical list listener is going to have. But one of the main things um, that helped is kind of this corporate job is not something that I can never get back if I wanted to. Like, uh, I'm okay to to quit the job I was working, and I'm sure if I if I went to go back to you know even the exact same job, they would give it back to me. Or if I wanted to work at some other company, like I have a lot of good credentials, I would be able to get that job. So that that shouldn't be something you're scared of doing. And like Johnny said, worst case scenario is you fail and you go back in a couple of years. So th- that was kind of how I thought about it. Now I'm not saying he told me this and then the next day I said, yeah, let's do it. And I quit my job. <laughs> Definitely gave it some thought. And it was, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's obviously not an easy decision and kind of the amounts I was trying to understate, you know, what, what he was, you know, what he's putting forward, what I think. And I, I'm thinking, okay, if we could make even a little bit less than that, it's still worth me doing that something I enjoy a lot more um, than my current job. And I think it's not just luck that we ended up being kind of a lot more successful working full time. I I don't think this thing scales linearly. If you can put in more hours, um, you're going to find more edges, you're going to learn more stuff, you're going to, you know, make more connections, and and you're going to grow this thing a lot more, a lot more a lot faster and you're going to be able to earn a lot more. And that's great. I love the disclaimer you guys made. If you have a wife and kids and if you have a family to support, you know, it's a very, it's a little bit different than if you guys are just young and, and fresh out of school or you still got the world ahead of you. You know, it's, it's, you know, everybody's different. And, you know, obviously the time to take risk is when you pretty much have nothing to lose. Um, so I, I, I'm, I, I think that was a good thing that you said, Johnny, when you said that, uh, you know what, if you've got kids and stuff, it might, you know, you might want to second guess that or maybe uh, just think about it because, you know, it's, it's, it's a leap of faith and, uh, and it's a tough leap to make when you have responsibilities and so many bills piled up. Um, would you agree to that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I don't think if you have kids, it's a no go. You can't do anything. The way I, I've been trained, I guess, from sports betting to think about, a lot of different things is just like the expected value in, in your life as well. So if I were to factor in like a big formula right now, I don't have any kids, so I don't have to factor that in. If I did, then now this is another variable that comes into, you know, almost consider it like the line, like this is another thing that's factored into the line. And then if I have a lot of bills or a lot of debt, then that gets factored in. And if I have something else here, or if I'm sick or whatever, all these things need to get factored in. And then only you can really determine what's best for you. Right. So if you, if you do have kids and you do have a lot of debt, then potentially you could still start in this business, but maybe you need to build up a bigger bankroll outside of the business before you come in, or maybe you need to take less risk. Um, There's a lot of different things that only really the specific person who knows all the variables that are factored into that line can determine. Awesome. I love it. Good stuff, guys. Okay, so, you know, because this, you know, you guys just entering the business and, and turning pro and being successful, this is the dream. Um, and, and this is something that, honestly, I don't think I could have done uh, in the year 2020. You know, I, 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 I did this started, I, I did this part time in 99, 2000, and then turned pro in 2003. Different, different times. Um, to be able to turn pro in 2020, I think it takes a lot. It's a lot more difficult. It takes a lot more talent, a lot more dedication. 
Um, so I, I want to get into, you know, essentially what you guys, like, what have you seen of other potential uh, or, or other, you said there's Twitter accounts, everybody's a pro sports better. How are you guys able to spot the reels from the fakes? And how did you know that you could be the real deal? <laughs> That's a good question. So I actually, I, I tossed up a, a thread on Twitter and I'll leave it up there as my pin tweet. If anyone wants to take a look at it, it's under the uh, Betstamp Twitter profile at Betstamp. But essentially what it talks about is how to identify when people are kind of like faking it as a better. So I think the best, best thing you can do is reach out to a bunch of people and talk to everyone. And once you actually talk to people, have direct conversations, you'll be able to see who, and you'll, you'll be able to make a good judgment on who you think's doing it for real and who you think's, you know, just kind of playing the game in terms of actually like looking on Twitter. Um, I think it's so key to know at least one person who, who does this stuff for real um, before you, you can kind of like call yourself that and get to that level. Cause that's that one person you could bounce everything off. So for me, I had one person who was involved in the game, who was a, a friend of mine from before I even started winning and becoming a big successful better. And this person I could text any day message, anytime, and just ask him, hey, does this guy win? Does this guy win? What's the deal with this guy? And having that one person taught me so much. And then from there, I started to essentially become that person and say, okay, let me talk to this guy. Let me talk to this guy. So I've had chats with, like I said, guys like you, who we, we could talk at a conference, for example, and I can ask you a bunch of questions. And you may not know it, but you know, you might have answered 10 questions for me. And those 10 questions uh, help me identify, you know, A, B, C, D, help me make X amount of dollars is these were missing pieces that I didn't have that I was able to take back home and exploit. So I would say in terms of identifying, you know, who's a fake better, who's a real better, you need to just talk to everybody and be around. It's easy for people to put on a face um, over, you know, a text message or in a tweet. But when you actually talk to people on the phone, talk to them for an hour, it's really hard to see like who, who's, you know, who's not legit. So g give me telltale signs, you know, cause this is important. I think guys. Okay. For sure. For sure. Go ahead. Like, what, so, go ahead. so I'd say one thing that I'll go with things that probably a lot of the listeners um, are either, you know, not as familiar with. So everybody knows if a guy's, you know, selling picks or something like that it's very difficult for him to be like a long-term winner but i won't get into those type of things so for example anyone who posts like a really big screenshot that they bet a million dollars here obviously those limits don't exist right so it, it, i'm not saying you can't get a million dollars down on a game but it's going to be done through several outlets so anyone who's posting screenshots on twitter and think that you know they're winning better because they got the screenshots you know, that's red flag number one. Most people who are betting are not betting their whole bet size at one account, right? So if I'm betting, uh, let's say, on something and I want to get down, let's say, 10 dimes, in all likelihood, I've, I probably have one dime at 10 different sports books, right? So, so that's one thing uh, that I'd look at for sure on Twitter. Something else that I think is really important 
is anybody who doesn't have respect for the market. So if your picks are not moving, if you're putting out stuff and those lines are readily available, um, it's typically not a good sign. So it's not like that's impossible for you to make money off of those picks, but it's not a good sign when that stuff's readily available. And this, this is for everything, you know, like futures bets as well. Like if that price is there, it likely doesn't have value after the fact. So, I mean, those are two quick things. I've got a bunch more, but I think Julian has some stuff to say. So I'll let him talk for a bit. Beautiful. Yeah. So one additional thing, I mean, going, going towards Johnny's mindset, I mean, the more you can talk to a person or the more you could read about a person, you should be able to kind of understand more. I do think you need a specific mindset in this, in this game to be able to earn. It doesn't have to be, you you can't just blindly disrespect the market and assume that you're going to win. So definitely like Johnny's saying, if you're not getting closing line value, the other thing that, that would be, you know, telltale and, it doesn't involve a little bit of your own smarts or your, your own intuition. But if, if somebody is posting kind of their breakdown or their reasoning um, and you read that, you have to think, is this something that the market doesn't consider? And if it's something the market doesn't consider, why not? And most likely it is going to be something that the market already considers. So, you know, Tom Brady is, you know, six and zero in his last six January games in the snow. Like I mean, it's either a useless piece of info or the market has already considered that. You know, this game is windy today. The, the market likely already knows it's windy and it and it's factored in. So that that piece of advice is worth nothing. Now, somebody is saying something that you know is potentially not considered. Like, oh, okay, this year NFL refs are are actually doing a lot more pass interference, and Tom Brady is throwing deep balls, and you know, some brand new thing than than potentially. But the the majority of analysis you see is going to be stuff that. Either the market already knows, or if you gave it any thought, you'd realize that that has no predictive value on the on the on the game. Great, great point. I want to I want to elaborate on that last point you made, Julian. What is the balance essentially? Or, or, ponder this: Why would someone do a write-up on an angle that the market doesn't consider, and potentially have the market then? Start considering it. I think that's a good question, Spanky, and I'm probably prone to asking the same question. So, I mean, at the start or, or, you know, at a glance, I'd say one of two things. Either they don't consider that that has any value or they don't understand the value that it potentially has or this doesn't have any value. It's, you know, something that somebody else has kind of thought of already uh, and doesn't because if that is something that has value and you're able to identify, you know, even a 1% edge in some of these major markets, the amount you can get down and the amount you could earn off of that is really quite a bit. So either you, you don't realize that the amount that you can get down is, is that much, you're not confident in that idea or that idea is not worth that much. Also, I think I want to add to that, Julian, um, is that, some guys would rather uh, be loved and admired than earn. So guys would want to say, look, here's my angle, and maybe the market hasn't considered it, and they would want to have a slow clap or, or, or a standing ovation either way versus them lining their own pockets. Um, that, does, that, does that exist? Because I, I think it still does. Does that exist I, I out so. there? 
Yeah. Uh, I think, okay, what's crazy about the sports betting media right now is it's such a tough place to be in. And it's not really at a fault of anybody. So there's a bunch of people who are, you know, positioned as these sharp bettors, pro bettors are on these TV networks when they don't, they don't really bet. They don't earn money betting. They've got a media job and that's fully fine. But what's crazy is that a lot of the people think and a lot of the public think that these guys are winning, right? So even when you look at people, you know, on, let's say, gambling Twitter or other social platforms that have followings, even the, the ones who do win money betting, uh, they can't really give out picks without actually, you know, spinning some sort of narrative around it. So even some of the sharpest betters, even some people who I know personally who do win, if they give out picks, let's say on a podcast, for example, they're going to say, yeah, I like this team, this many points at this number. And they can't just say, yeah, this is what my model made it because that's not really interesting. So they have to go into a big narrative and things like that and give out, you know, maybe info they want to, maybe info they don't want to give it. So to be a media darling and to build that following is much more difficult in this industry than it is in, uh, in almost any other. Wow. That's good. I like the way you thought about that. So essentially you to be loved and to be sharp are, uh, don't align. They don't really align. Well, I mean, I, I guess if you're betting a, a couple grocery dollars, as you'd call them, mm-hmm. and you have some and you have some edges, then maybe you know it would align for a short period. But to be a guy who's earning a living off of betting, and then also be a media darling who gives out picks, it's it doesn't align. Yeah, you know, obviously, I, th- I think it's 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 pretty obvious. But just in case anybody doesn't think so you know most of the guys the movers and shakers the pro betters in this space in in this in the sports betting world or 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 have a zero media presence or or unknown uh are not on any type of social media or anything so those are the real movers and shakers um in the business um and they like it that way they always want to keep it that way um it's rare that somebody comes out from uh, underneath the dungeon to be able to show their face or to be able to, 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 to talk about anything. Okay. So great, great stuff, guys. I love that you guys, you know, you, you, you got into how you guys met, how you guys decided to go pro. What, what was the big decision to actually go full time? Now you guys go full time in February and then boom, a month later, when you have, we were supposed to have all these sports on a slate then the virus hits. So, damn, we just quit our job a month ago. Pretty bad timing. What did you guys do to be able to change the script and to be able to say, no, I'm not going to be able to be a victim. I'm going to, you know, life just gave me lemons. I'm making lemonade. <laughs> so I'm going to be, I'll be honest here. It, it didn't have as big of an impact to us as uh, as a lot of, as it would have to a group like yours or a few other groups who are moving you know big money on the major markets uh, we we don't uh, specialize in the major markets and we're okay with that and we're okay with being people who specialize on you know derivative markets props and everything else under the sun so the way I can kind of explain to you the the stuff we specialize in is is everything at the book 
that's not the major markets. So open up all those little twisties and open up, you know, all the derivative markets inside the NBA game, inside the NFL game and everything else on the site. So we've been able to uh, specialize in what I call like the micro edge market, which is being able to find something that's being booked and then determining where we can find an edge on that little thing and juice it as much as we can until it's gone and then find another one. So the micro edges we did have uh, were temporarily put on hold with the coronavirus, but as new things open, it was actually easier than ever to find new micro edges because of the fact that these books were so hungry for action and players and trying to stay afloat uh, during the time period where there was no major market sports. Sorry, somebody's calling Spanky's office here. <laughs> no worries. Okay, let's get into that a little bit more. Let's break it down. Uh, you know, I remember there was table tennis going on. What 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 else did you guys do to, to adapt? Yeah, so I mean, at that time, like Johnny was saying, sports books were desperate for action, or you know, for you to maintain balances in their sports books. You were definitely able to take advantage of some promotions and some bonuses at the time, which is something, you know, we had our bankroll, uh, you know, kind of ready to be exploited. So that was something that we definitely did. And not that that's a, you know, the major earn or anything, but, but that definitely helped. And then the other thing that, that they did is basically introduce a whole, a whole lot of new offerings. So you were able to kind of bet on a bunch of things that, you know, they might not be sports related, um, but, there, there, you know, something like, I mean, I'm not even referring to the table tennis. You can kind of bet on, there's a, there's a portion there where you could bet on the stock market and, you know, and Chris was taking, you know, a, a dime limit on the stock market, you know, what the stock, what the S and P or the Dow are going to close in that given day. And, you know, that, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good amount. And at that time, I'm not sure. I know that, you know, yourself and some other sports betting groups were taking that time off. So I'm not sure kind of what our competition was, but we did some um, some analysis into that and we were able to kind of identify an edge and, and the edge was mainly based on the actual variance. So if we treated the stock market, you know, as an efficient market, which I think it is, and as far as we're concerned, it's probably more efficient than the sports betting market in general. So we treated the stock market as an efficient market. And then we made a play essentially that the variance of the stock market, given that time and given the last, you know, 15 days or 30 days due to COVID is going to be kind of higher than historical averages that if we're able to get, you know, some plus money prices, it was actually a uh, good value. So, you know, you could get 60 points off of the Dow at, you know, plus 155 and we would, you know, model that out to be something that's only like a, you know, a 45% chance of happening. So we were, we were doing that and we kind of dumped a lot of money into, into that. And that was a pretty solid earn for us. And then, you know, we couple, that's just one example of something uh, that, that's unique and it didn't last. And I don't really mind giving it away because I'm not sure the next time uh, you're going to be able to bet that much on the stock market Dow Jones price. <laughs> but uh, during that time, it was it was possible. I love it. So you guys were able to look at these markets. Now, with respect, you know, Johnny touched base on this. He touched it on. He said that, you know, all the non-major markets in, in your time doing this now, um, I, let's, let's talk account longevity because 
you know, as a pro sports better, I think, you know, winning, I always, this is what I'll always say, and I don't know if you guys agree with it or not, but eventually winning becomes trivial. Um, and, and, and the real challenge then becomes maintaining outs and maintaining accounts and not getting reduced and not getting limited. Betting these, you know, minor markets, um, the chance of getting limited slash reduced slash, you know, uh, booted or uh, are, are, they grow pretty high. How do you guys combat that? Have you experienced that? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So now you're talking my uh, area of expertise here. We obviously betting props and betting, you know, smaller market stuff limits accounts. I actually have a little bit of a conflicting view on this. So I don't necessarily think that betting the small market stuff cuts accounts faster per se, maybe a, a tad bit. I think in general, winning is what cuts accounts. So if you're winning and the agency is a balance high, that's what's going to cut your account. Only after winning is is what they're going to is when they're going to go into and see, you know, into the weeds. What is this guy betting? What are they doing? So I actually don't necessarily think that's a smaller market stuff cuts accounts significantly faster than what might be, you know, a re- mixing in regular action. But obviously uh, our um, your, your friend, Captain Jack, he does mention the art of sports betting versus the science. There's definitely a lot of things you need to do in terms of mixing in action. Um, and then I think in, in terms of the market, I know you guys have a props team where, uh, you know, you're betting a lot of full game stuff and you hand accounts over and then they're able to get, you know, down on whatever props they have and just add to the account where it seamlessly mixes in. Um, and obviously we we're lucky to have a lot of great partners who, uh, you know, feed us accounts to bet props into where they're focused on major markets. Okay. So your prop stuff is also mixed in with, uh, with full game, regular stuff, meat and potatoes. It is and it, it isn't. It isn't for like the for PPH stuff. It is mixed in. Uh, for some accounts, I found you don't really need to you don't really need to mix in. We do a good we do a good job of trial and error and experimenting what works and what doesn't. If you're mixing in and you have you don't have an edge on the full game stuff, then you're significantly cutting into your earn and you need to figure out you know long term is it worth it for me to mix in or is it worth it for me to just kill this account over two three weeks. So I know you have uh, kind of a, an opinion where you're saying it's better to make, you know, a dime a week for 50 weeks, uh, which if that's the case, it's better to make 50 dimes overall than to make five dimes for three weeks. And that's only 15. Uh, we share a similar opinion in the sense that we calculate the most we can make per account. And then we try to, you know, do it the most efficient way possible to maximize our Okay, so I'm trying to. So, so are you? Are you okay? You, you know where I stand on this. I'm just trying to figure out. Like, so, so are you in agreement with me, or you say you're a little bit conflicting? Uh, so, I think, I think w- there are cases in which we will just hammer an account um, and not, and have zero regard for the longevity of the account. But that is all factored in to one formula where. I want to make the most money out of that account, keep partners happy and, and maximize earn. So if the maximum earn 
is going to be to hammer that account for three weeks and then get the account cut. And I'll do that. If the maximum earn is going to be at a slow play for a year, then I'm going to do that. So how do you determine which choice is better? Just the profile of the account? Is it the, is it the website itself? Is it the, the betting partner, the bookmaker maybe that, that that's booking the action? How are you able to determine like that, you know, or, or is there a, a, a de facto, like a, a default um, that you go to a default strategy that you're going to go to if you don't have any additional information? Uh, okay. So when we don't have any information, about the the skin, the agent, anything, or how everything's working. Typically, we would be more cautious versus less cautious. So the default is, you know, let's keep the account last and lasting, and let's, uh, you know, let's keep it going. But for stuff where, I mean, it's it's a lot about depending on the partners as well and who's giving the accounts and getting a feel for it. You obviously need to factor in percentage chance of getting stiffed on the account and, you know, making sure you don't run up a balance too high. If you've never collected from this person before, if you, you know, if you've never paid this person before, it's different as well. I'd, I wish I had like a straight exact formula for you, but all I can say is in terms of our process, like we do, we do discuss this, uh, Julian and I, as well as any partners, um, we'll, we'll have essentially weekly meetings where it's, okay, where are we going now? Here's, here's everything. Beautiful. I mean, just to, just to add to that, I think, you know, the majority of, of what we do and what we know comes from experience. So there's not really, um, or, you know, it, it might be some stuff that we'd want to keep to ourselves exactly how we do it, but you know, there's not really a one set way to kind of maximize the value. We do what we think kind of increases our earn given kind of all of the factors, you know, the chance of you not getting paid, um, you know, the, the hassle of collecting, kind of keeping partners happy. Um, you know, if it's a, if it's an offshore, you got to post up kind of the, the chance of losing your deposit or withdraw. Um, it, basically everything goes into that, that factor. And at this point, kind of, we've churned through, you know, thousands of accounts at this point. So I think we have a pretty good idea and, and I trust kind of what it is that we're doing. And I, I think that we do actually a pretty good job at this. But uh, it, it's not easy. And I think if you're trying this yourself um, for some of your accounts, the best way to do this is just to learn. Um, if it's a brand new account, like Johnny's saying, like you don't really know anything about it, um, you probably got to do some some feelers. Uh, at some point in this, though, you, you're going to be able to get another one of those accounts. So you definitely want to test it out and you definitely want it to see what's the best way for you to maximize basically your EV. Beautiful. It's like the Captain Jack says, it's the art of sports betting. And it's the most important uh, skill once you get to that pro level to be able to master. And I see that you guys have done a good job at doing so. So, man, this is some great stuff. You guys are just a wealth of knowledge. I love listening to you guys. You're so sharp. I, um... I want to, you know, let's. I want to talk about BetStamp because this is an app you guys created. Um, it's a free thing; anybody can get it. Um, let's talk about the advantages of that app and what somebody can. Uh, how how can uh, a regular sports better or even a pro sports better benefit from? Okay, I can take that one, Spanky. Uh, thank you so much for the kind words. I think. Um, in order to win at sports betting right now, 
based on the legal market and how everything's just populating with so many crazy bonuses and so many accounts and so much need to get the customers in that legal market. If you have, um, you know, if you live in, for example, Colorado right now or New Jersey and you haven't opened any sportsbook accounts, you can, you have access right there to like first day, five, six, 10, 15 accounts. And this is just in the, like the U S legal onshore market. So what, what, uh, what we kind of have as our, you know, lesson that we wanted to teach or things that we wanted to tell. If somebody asked me, how do I win sports betting? My first and most important lesson would be you need to open up every account you possibly can. And you need to look through those accounts every day and you need to compare the lines between them and find the discrepancies. When you do that, you can bet into a significantly lower hold. And that's your only chance as a beginner to, you know, picking your favorite team and picking the games you like and having a shot to survive and last in this industry. So with all the bonus hunting you can do and with all the line shopping you can do in the U.S. legal market, I, I truly think that it's a great opportunity for a lot of people to get into sports betting. And whether or not you'll get limited at those accounts eventually or down the road, for most people, if you're just betting, you know, 10 grocery dollars, 50 grocery dollars, it doesn't matter. And you're in all likelihood not going to get limited. So with BetStamp, what we wanted to do was make it easy for everybody to manage and compare odds across all of the accounts that they have. So if you're in Colorado, you never bet on sports before, it's kind of difficult to open up 10 accounts, have to manage the balance, the accounting work, deposits and withdraws into, and, and really like open up 10 or 12 Google Chrome tabs on your computer to compare all the lines for every market. So what we do with BetStamp is we are uh, essentially a recreational version of the Dawn Best Screen where you don't have to pay the $500 a month, which prices, uh, you know, almost everybody out of the market and where you can just look at the odds more from a recreational base. So if you wanted to bet on your favorite team, you can go to BetStamp, you can check, okay, this book's got it here. I'm going to get, I'm going to bet it on this app. You open that other app, place your bet, come track it in BetStamp and all of the accounting and finances is managed for you in terms of the transactions in and out of your book. So we deal with the figures, we deal with the odds comparison, and we are really powerful in terms of an analysis tool that a lot of people can use. So one thing for your listeners, um, you preach closing line value a lot, and I'm a huge believer in closing line value as the truest indicator of future success in sports betting. Uh, BetStamp right now is the only app on the market, the only platform on the market that will track your closing line value for you correctly. So even just for that alone, it's an awesome tool to, if you're, if you're originating, or even if you're, you know, just betting a couple plays, you can track your closing line value over the course of the season. You can track, you know, performance at different sports books or versus different odd sets. Uh, we think it's a great tool. It's only getting better. Um, we, we do still work on this every single day and we have a lot of big things coming. I love it. Tracking closing line value is definitely an indicator of whether you're going to win long-term. And your application does that for the user. Yeah, and if I was to add to that, if you're an aspiring pro better or, you know, even trying to be a semi-pro better, you're, you're trying to make some money on the side, 
you're probably already tracking your bets. If you're not tracking your bets, you're definitely you're definitely missing something because what me and Johnny do is a lot of analysis as well. And that's how we're able to kind of identify future edges. And also just as important, kind of figure out when an edge is starting to dry up or, you know, certain things are, are not as they once were. You know, certain assumptions can't be made anymore. So if you're not tracking your bets, there's a super easy way to do it with BetStamp. You can track your bets. If you're betting games and totals on, on the major sports, you could easily see your CLV. If you're trying to test out a model, um, by all means, it's probably the best way to do so. Especially if you're not sure you want to be betting, you know, or, or the amount you want to be betting, or if you even want to bet at all yet. You're just trying to test something out. You have a new hypothesis. Just put it all, put put your plays down in BetStamp, kind of assign a tag to it, and then you can go and do analysis on that given tag, you know, like my NHL totals market model. And I, I played it, you know, for three weeks now, and I see that I got, you know, 1% CLV and, you know, 2% ROI. Maybe that's enough for me to convince myself that, you know, I've developed some model that uh, that has some, some uh, success. Beautiful. Now, BetStamp is free to use correct yes 100 percent free um just download it on the app store or uh, google play store so you know how do you earn so as of right now like we mentioned we don't earn any money from the app uh we're just really focused on aggregating and, and building the user base and building that community aspect that exists right now within sports betting so we're very fortunate to be able to earn from sports betting um, and not have to make, you know, poor decisions in regards to the app or the business where, um, you know, we have to make decisions that we don't want to make in order to earn money and keep the business alive. All right. So this is nice. So you're, you know, is this like a give back to the community type thing or you 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 plan to try to earn in the future? I think eventually there's going to be a lot of ways to earn. And we have a, diff- we have a couple strategies of, you know, what we might roll out down the road. Uh, but as mentioned, right now, we're really hoping to just build up the user base. Um, we've been getting a lot of great feedback and a lot of great users right now. And, uh, and, and I mean, there's, there's a ton of different things we can do. We don't need to get into like monetary right now. Um, like I said, try out the app if you're listening to this. Uh, if you like it, let us know. If you think there's anything that needs to be pushed into it or you want to see, then you know, send me a message on Twitter at BetStamp or a contact email, and uh, we're going to put in all of the good suggestions. That's one thing with this app that's so different than any of the other sports betting apps on, or platforms on, on the market is that the people who built this app are me and Julian. We bet every single day just like you guys, and we know kind of like what needs to be in the app. We've left out, you know, tons and tons and tons of like meaningless features that, uh, you know, are kind of jammed down the public store. I'll give you one example, Spanky, that you might like. The the public money versus the sharp money bet percentages, but then they come from, you know, books that don't really book sharp action. So those are things that a lot of the other apps some of the like you know one major one that with the black and green logo will jam down all of its users throat is is this many people were on the bucks but only this percentage of the money so you know you should be betting this because it's a sharp play but in reality it doesn't give any info on you know 
what price uh, like half of that money was bet at, what the profile of the accounts are. They're taking the the percentages and this money from, you know, books that aren't booking anyone that are limiting sharp players. So it's tough to actually draw any value from that. Obviously, if you had a similar chart like that from, you know, a pinnacle or a Chris, I'm sure it would be, you know, immensely valuable, but in general, it's just tough to draw value from a lot of these things that keep getting pushed on the player, uh, the recreational player. So our app in general, I can promise you guys is no nonsense. Um, you know, you're not going to see articles on there telling you what to bet. You don't see any of this like video content on my top five picks for the Kentucky Derby. You know, it's it's really just a great tool that you could use to, you know, track your bets, odds compare, and really and like actually go through and analyze what you want to do and how you are as a sport. It's better. I love no nonsense stuff. That's great, guys. Uh, bet tracking, compare odds, to line, you know, to be able to find out the best number. These are critical, critical tools that anybody needs um, to be able to get the best of it. I remember Roxy even said in today's landscape, you got to be a complete dummy to not be close to break even with all the uh, the line shopping and all the different line sets and all the information out there. So it's pretty, pretty big. To, that line shopping is huge, and you guys make it easier. So that's great. Um, what other things does the app offer besides bet tracking, line shopping, comparing odds? You said you, you know somebody could put up their picks on there, and they could, you guys will track them against the, against the, the current line. Or? Yeah, so, so they're able to actually input in all of the picks that they play. And then after that, they, you, you get access to kind of a live tracking, which is more of a, a recreational feature where you can kind of watch the game and, you know, see, you know, as your bet grades or as the total goes over or, or as the team wins or even on a, on a player prop level, what we do really well is actually if you're betting some player props and uh, you bet on, you know, Mike Evans over 67 and a half yards you know, as he gets that 70th yard, uh, we're grading that bet as a win and you get a notification, you know, hey, you won the game or you won that bet. So that's kind of just nice from the from the uh, the tracking point of view. And I know we, we've done it, you know, when you're tracking, it's kind of hard to keep track of a, a lot of the different things that you've actually bet on. So if you have one place that kind of aggregates it and does the grading for you, um, the grading and the, you know, what your accounts are at and, and the saddle ups and, and that kind of thing. That's, that's super useful. And then while you input all of those in, you get to do kind of this analysis, which is still a growing feature. We plan to add, you know, more and more stuff that, you know, some of the stuff that we do ourselves into the app, but basically you can go back into the history and see kind of you know, what kind of closing line value are you getting? What kind of close against different books? You know, what books are, is it that you're winning at? What books are you losing at? You know, what types of bets are you good at? What leagues are you good at? Something, you know, and not, and when I say good at, I mean, you can analyze ROI, you can analyze closing line, you can compare it to, you know, the best available line at close if you want to, if you want to be even more strict. So that's, you know, just comparing against, you know, which, which sports book had the best line at close. If you're still able to beat that, um, that's pro probably a good sign that what you have is, is legit. Yeah, beautiful. I remember when I was started, you know, when I was betting, I realized I could never beat Olympic sports. And I just kept losing over there, losing, losing. And there was one of the few shops I just couldn't beat. 
and um, and I think you know it. it to, I was doing a lot of the charting myself, but it would have been nice to be able to get that immediate input or an updated input on uh, on on how that was happening. It was pretty obvious for me because I had to keep depositing um, and I had to keep paying the Greek. But uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> I think that's very important to know which outs you're beating and which outs you aren't beating. So that's a, that's a great tool. I think everybody who's line shopping and comparing odds has a similar story like that, Spanky. So if, I mean, they're going to be losing at one book that is a sharp bookmaker and they're going to be winning at a square bookmaker if they're, you know, constantly betting the best line. And without tracking, the majority of people never learn that. But you know how you're saying you, you lost to one sports book. I had the same thing. I kept losing the pinnacle sports. I thought my account was cursed. It was a, how could I possibly be losing this much in this book? It's so much, so unlucky, but in reality, it's, it's not, that's just the, the nature of how the books work and how they, their models work. Yeah. That just shows that they're a great bookmaker. They lure you in. Yeah. Yeah. They lure you in. The price sometimes is just too tempting. It's like, the Garden of Eden with that apple. I just got to take a bite. <laughs> guys, I really, really enjoyed this. This is incredible. You guys are a wealth of knowledge. Um, you guys are young up-and-comers. I really feel as if um, the future of this industry is in good hands with guys like you in it. I'm proud to call you guys my friends. I also want to publicly thank um, Johnny, you know, my logo for the, for the podcast, um, the new logo was because of Johnny. Johnny reached out to me and said, Spanky kept it real with me. He said that old logo was whack. Um, you know what I mean? I don't even know what, you know, and he says, listen, and he sent me the new logo and I, I couldn't thank him enough. It was so nice of him. Um, and I offered to, to pay and then he says, absolutely not. So Johnny, I really appreciate you doing that for me. And, um, the logo has been great. A lot of people say, um, you know, it's the best I've ever looked. Obviously, it doesn't look too much like me because if it actually did look like me, I'd probably lose listeners. Um, so I really appreciate that you did that logo for me. Thank you, brother. No problem, brother. So in closing, I always like to ask, you know, and you guys touched on so many tips and stuff, so it's going to be hard. It's pretty obvious, though, but I'm maybe to make it official, name of this podcast is called Be Better Better's. And, um, you know, I always like to ask, what's the one thing that you guys can give and, uh, to any, anybody out there? And, and you, you've said so many, um, already, um, you know, but I'll, I'll have each of you guys, um, just kind of like finalize it and, 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 and give out that, that nugget of information for anybody listening to become better betters. Okay. I'll go, I'll go first, Spanky. So, I know you like to preach the top-down approach, and that's definitely a tried-and-true method to earn. But uh, I want to reach out to kind of all of the, the guys trying to model out there. And it, it's not always an easy thing to do. And sometimes it's a little bit of a, you know, a confidence thing that you think you can do it and um, you think this is the, the, you know, the, the way you want to earn. So, I mean, I have some tips to give out kind of just from a guy that's been doing this for you know, a, a little while now and trying to scale. Um, I definitely learned a lot along the way. So kind of to summarize the main points is one, you got to respect the market. Uh, if you're getting resistance on something, uh, that's not a sign to bet more. That's probably a sign you should, uh, you should stop bet or, you, or stop betting that, or you should, you know, reconsider 
or potentially lay off uh, on what it is that you did. Uh, market resistance is going to be a main sign to tell you kind of you're doing something right or, or not. And this is just a, basically another way of saying CLV. Uh, and if you're trying to do this part time, uh, I, I want to I let you know that 15 hours is probably not enough to beat an MBA sides market. So feel free to attack a smaller market or a derivative market or, you know, EuroLeague basketball or EuroLeague basketball first quarters. Uh, something where, you know, the, the line is not as efficient, especially when you're not trying to get as much down. You don't need to be attacking the NBA sides market if you're only trying to bet 100 bucks a game. Then uh, another point is, is to keep track of your records. So we touched upon this a lot, but if you record your CLV, your results, your book, the time of day you're betting, kind of everything you can about your bets, this just gives you a little bit more info to do analysis on. And I mean, we already touched upon it, but if you're not willing to do this and set up a spreadsheet yourself, then at the very least track and bet stamp, you get kind of all of this info for you for free. And it's just going to be a big help for the guy just starting out. And just a last point, and, and this has been huge for, for both me and Johnny kind of uh, over the past little while is ask around. Um, a lot of people are a lot more willing to help than you think. A lot of people give out very good advice and, you know, Spanky, you helped us a lot in March. I know we bounced some good questions off of you and, you know, you really gave us the time, which which we appreciated. And, we, you know, we came back to Toronto and we discussed a lot of the things. And I think we, we came out a much better, better from our conversation. And uh, I, I can't you know begin to say how many people we've uh, we've talked to that we had the same uh, the same thing. And we're happy to give back now. So I, I think if you're just starting, I'll send you the bill in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we didn't earn any extra. <laughs> beautiful man good stuff julian how about you johnny okay i'll keep mine quick so my advice to be a better better is to be nice to people life people say life is short but really life is so long you never know who you're gonna come in contact with again don't stiff people be a good partner be a good person and it's all gonna come back around like the network you're gonna build you might not need somebody now. You might never need someone ever, but you know, who knows? Just be nice to people and be a good person. Man. I love that dude. I've heard so many things on this thing and, and, and a lot of them are cliche, but that's, that, that's really great. What you just said, man, be nice to people, treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, if everybody did that, there'd never be a stiff in a business. Everybody would get along and, and the world in essence would be a better place, but, uh, not just the industry. So very well said. Guys, Julian, Johnny, such a pleasure, man. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks for everything. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Betstamp is going to skyrocket, um, and you guys are going to, uh, you know, be so successful in, in this industry. Thanks a lot, Spanky. Uh, we appreciate you having us on. It was a, it was a pleasure. Thank you, fellas. Talk soon, brother. Thanks so much for the time. Until next time.